Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Manal Sampat. Manal is a best-selling author, speaker, marketing strategist, entrepreneur, registered dental hygienist, and an enthusiastic shoe lover residing in Washington State. Manal launched her first company by breaking a Guinness Book of World Records, and her marketing strategies have been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, Dentistry IQ, Dr. Bicuspid, and more. Plus, she is on the spring 2020 cover of Dental Entrepreneur Women magazine. Manal published her first book, Why Marketing is Killing Your Business, in January 2020. The book is an Amazon number one bestseller in five countries, including the United States. It is my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Manal Sampat. Manal, it is so awesome to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. I am so excited to introduce you, not to the majority of the dental world, because the majority of the dental world know you, but for those that don't know you, I would love for you to tell us your story and how you got into dentistry. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. I, this is my favorite things to do, is to just collaborate and chat, because I, I think that the best ideas usually come out of communication. So true. You know, especially if we have people working together in the same industry. My story is a little bit different. It's a little bit that it's not the normal story, for example. So, you know, I am a millennial, as, as I've told you. I was born in India. I grew up in the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Thomas. And then in 2004, I came to New Jersey because I went to Rutgers University. So for me, I went from a private school, 32 kids. My graduating class in my senior year was 32 kids to Rutgers, which is one of the largest universities in America. And I remember walking into my first class and there are like 500 kids around me and I had no idea what was going on. You know, to say it was a culture shock was, uh, it's just an understatement. I had never seen snow in my life. I had never been below 60 degrees in my life. I didn't know one person at Rutgers. So it wasn't as if I chose the school based on knowing people. I didn't have any friends there. I only had one cousin who kind of lived there an hour away from Rutgers, was my only family member really there. I went to Rutgers because it's a good school. And uh, to be honest, they gave me the most amount of money. So, you know, they gave me the biggest scholarship and said, hey, come on in. So I knew I had to leave St. Thomas at one point. And I was going back and forth and I chose Rutgers. Well, while I was at Rutgers, I studied communication, which is marketing, PR, and also biology. Because ever since I was a child, I thought I was going to be a dentist. And you know, I shared a lot of this in the, in the Do article that, uh, in, the, in the magazine that you know, we both know about. So ever since I was little, I was kind of in the zone because my mentor and my hero was a dentist, mm-hmm. my late uncle. So I always kind of knew that I want to be in this dental industry and I wanted to be a dentist. But until I went to college, I didn't realize how much I really loved marketing to a point where it was 
a big struggle for me to actually change because as my applications to dental schools grew, I even took the DATs. Like this is how far I went. I even took the DATs. I had the application folder. I had everything ready. And instead of pressing send, I called my dad and I said, I'm, I'm going to go, go into business. I'm just going to go into business instead. But before all of this happened, you know, because I was studying biology, I was a pre-dental student. A part of being a pre-dental student and I was in a pre-dental club was you have to shadow a dentist. So in 2006, I put together my resume and I remember faxing it, you know, the good old days of faxing stuff. And I remember faxing my resume to all these dental practices, hoping somebody would say, come on in and shadow us because it was a requirement for me. This wonderful practice, one location, 25,000 patients, uh, pediatric orthodontic practice said, come on in, Manal, come on in and then shadow us. And it wasn't just two hours of shadowing. This was an entire summer. So it was quite a, a bit of shadowing that was required. Now, I told you I didn't have any family in New Jersey, right? And I didn't really have any support or friends. I had to kind of do that all on my own. I also didn't have a car. So I was working two jobs at Rutgers while studying communication and biology. And uh, I started to do shadowing, but I didn't have a car. So the whole summer, you know, I took buses, got rides from friends to go shadow this dental practice. And as I was leaving in 2006, they said, Manal, why don't you come and work for us? You know, come work for us. We'll see, you know, where, what we can do. I couldn't do it then because I'm like, I already have two jobs and 18 credits, so I can't work for you now, but I will remember you. Well, 2008 rolls in and I graduate college in 2008. Right in the crash. <laughs> <laughs> it's like deja vu all over again right now, right? Like it just feels like this is 2008 part two. But no, so I graduated in 2008 and I was looking insanely for a job because at this point I had told my father that I'm going to try different things and I'm going to see if something else is right for me. And, and now if, if we have viewers or listeners here who are from the Indian descent, because I am Indian, we don't have much choices in life. Our parents are very strict about either are you going to be a doctor or an engineer or a business owner. Like there are, there is no real room, yeah, for anything else. So here's my father who's going crazy. What is wrong with you? You have everything ready. Just apply to dental schools. What are you doing? And I'm like, no, but I, I feel it. I know I'm good at this kind of thing, right? So I'm calling everybody. I am trying to get a job. People are out of job. The whole economy is crashing. So I called this dental practice, the one that I shadowed. And I said, hey, remember me? You guys offered me a job two years ago. I know it's two years later, but I'm here. I've graduated. I'm looking for some work. So the manager, the office manager on the phone tells me, no, we, have, we are not hiring right now. We already have 60 people working here. And uh, well, it's the recession, so we are not hiring. But why don't you come in at noon? Now, noon is usually their lunchtime. They close from noon to one for lunch. So I said, you know what? okay, I'll go and meet everybody and catch up with the doctors and all that fun stuff. So I go in to the dental practice. The next thing I know, I'm being interviewed, completely unprepared. I had no idea I was going to be interviewed, completely unprepared. Um, I'm being interviewed. The doctor comes in and uh, Kevin Brunson, Dr. Kevin Brunson, and he says, you know what? We have no idea what you're going to do, but we're just going to hire you. Oh, how wonderful is that? 
that that was my start and he's like not only are we just going to hire you we'll train you in all the departments and we'll see where you fit in we just like you and we want you to be a part of our team wow isn't that incredible awesome that was my beginning and you know i started i was i have done the scheduling i have done the checkouts i have done treatment planning i have been in the lab i have been assisting and then i took over their marketing which doubled um, you know, there are new patients and this dentist that hired me, he's an international speaker and all this stuff. So he had the ADA and the APD and everybody calling him saying, what are you doing with your marketing? And, you know, share with us. So this one day he had to go speak at the Middlesex County Study Club, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in, in that area. And he was going to speak on marketing. So he tells me, well, Manal, they want me to speak on marketing, but you do my marketing. So you're going to speak on marketing instead. And that was the first time I spoke in front of a large crowd about dental marketing and, uh, you know, what was I was doing? One thing led to another. And I realized that a huge part, if, if I was going to really offer what I needed to offer, I should understand this from a clinical perspective, from a patient's perspective. So I also went to hygiene school. I am a hygienist. When you finished this, then you went to hygiene school? Yeah. So I graduated. Amazing. Yeah, 2008 with communication and biology degrees. And then I didn't go to hygiene school till 2011. Um, no, 2009. No, 11. I forget. Something like that. Um, give me five years before and I, I already forget. But yes, I didn't go to hygiene school until after that. And then I went to hygiene school. I, I was doing hygiene with marketing. And then in 2013, I opened my first company and now I have three companies as of today, but. Okay. So you have different story. Three <laughs> yeah. companies. Yes. So I know about marketing. What else are you doing? So my husband and I also have a company together, which is in the medical field because he's a physician. And uh, then we all, I'm also in the family business, which is jewelry. So we actually have an online e-commerce jewelry um, thing that we do as well. So how fabulous is that? Well, but I mean, it it is fabulous, but if you think about it, you know, people always say that grit is enough. Like if you just keep going and grit is enough, but really I am where I am today because that dental practice took a chance of me during the recession. Yeah. You know, it was the, the support and not only the support, but the flexibility for me. Like they allowed me to say, they saw me for who I was and they said, okay, no idea what you're going to do. Like they were very honest with me. Like we, we are not hiring. So we have no idea what you're going to do, but we'll just see where you fit in. Right. And um, they kind of allowed me to grow. They invested in me. And, you know, funny enough, they also became partners in one of my companies and we are still very good friends and all that, all that good stuff. But it all happened because somebody took a chance on, that is an amazing story. You know, I reflect back on my career and I did that three times and all three staff members were absolutely amazing. I think that when you have a gut instinct, you have a gut instinct and you need to go with it. How un- unbelievable that is. That's awesome. So, you know, I have a huge respect for this profession and uh, I have a huge respect for this industry. There is, I feel that there's a good and bad to everything. And, you know, being a, being a young woman of, uh, of a different race, especially in my 20s, lecturing and opening a company, there was definitely this part where you're not taken seriously and this part where 
you are being judged. And I mean, and rightfully so at some extent, because, well, what does a 20 year old know about running, <laughs> running a business, right? However, the one thing I do know is that your mom and dad have a business as well. Is that the jewelry business? That's a jewelry business. Yeah. So, you know, I wonder if, you know, having them as role models obviously must have affected you. Absolutely. It had to have. Well, it did because, see, my parents, like I said, I was born in India and I was in India till I was 12. So my parents moved to the United States in their 40s and they left a very comfortable life in India. Now, what made them move, if you don't mind me asking? Well, it was a journey was saying, so my father has nine siblings. So it's, he's the last one of 10 and majority of them are in the United States. So it was pretty much a conversation. Um, my brother was just turning 18. He was going to start college. I was going to be a teenager. And they pretty much, you know, his brothers and family pretty much told my dad that if you really want a good future for your kids, perhaps it's time for you to come to the U.S. Because this is where we are. This is where the best education is. And like I said, even though we were very comfortable in India, I mean, we had it's funny to say this now, but I had five nannies growing up. And now I wasn't a troublemaker or a horrible child. <laughs> Everybody's thinking I need to have five nannies growing up. I wasn't, but it was just because that's just how lavishly people lived. So, you know, a part of it, I think, personally, I think our parents wanted us to experience, uh, they wanted us to experience humility and they wanted us to know hard work, which I think would have been very different if I was living in India than where I am right now, just because of the lifestyle we had there. And also because they realized that perhaps we have more opportunities in the U.S. than my brother and I would have had in India. So no, you know, I saw them leave back a very comfortable life and come to the United States in their 40s and start a completely new life where my mom, who has never worked a day in her life, had to work. And my dad had to give up a thriving business and, you know, become an employee. Uh, I was babysitting. So I think everything happens for a reason. But yeah, it, from a young age, hard work was important. Like I had a job when I was 13. You know, I was babysitting and I was inputting data in computers. And it was something that was brought into my life. And I think it was one of the reasons they did it, to make sure we understand that. Really brilliant parents, I have to say, because it's so often, and especially, you know, I know that you know this to be true in your generation, that work ethic, you know, because of the ability for dual parents to be working in the United States and for us to do well, a lot of young children are not asked to work and they don't need, know the power of hard work. You know, one of the comments my daughter has made routinely is, mom, it's so easy for me to excel. I mean, she, she's had six or seven promotions in eight years at, at the same company because, you know, she knows what it's like to work hard. She's worked hard her entire life and um, I'm very proud of her, but it's not like that with a lot of people in your generation. So uh, your parents did you a service for sure. I think that's, I think it was a part of the reason, you know, it was a part of the reason where, growing up, getting everything you ever wanted at some point. And then, and I give them credit for, I am, you know, I am in my early thirties and I can't, and I travel and do all that, but to live in a whole different country with children and to move somewhere, which is brand new and starting all over again, that's a scary thought to begin. And again, there was no need. It wasn't a, there was no reason for them to do that you know they just kind of did it for us so in a way i think 
you know, I completely agree with you where I talk on this topic about generations and, you know, from boomers to Gen Z and the millennial generation. And absolutely, we do have a lot of people in my generation which did grow up with entitlement and did grow up with kind of, and I have friends who are my own age who are still trying to figure out what they want to do with life. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I understand, I respect your journey, but I also respect paying bills and (laughs) making sure that you can have gas in your car and, you know, experiences I think matter, but I think it was a different reality for me growing up than what I would say a lot of other kids went through, even though I went to a private school again. So there was this combination of I went to a private school and I remember this funny, I never really shared all of this stuff on a dental platform before, but it's great. Cause I, we came here when I was in seventh grade and we, my parents bought a computer before they even got a car. Wow because they knew that in order for my brother and I to excel, and now we only had one family computer, which was in the living room and we all used it, but they brought a computer before they bought a car because they knew that my brother and I would need the computer to excel in school because it was required compared to us driving a car. So, you know, we would take like buses and everything else to go grocery shopping and all that stuff. So there is this immigrant lifestyle that I grew up in, which many people, really don't know in the industry. It's amazing. And, you know, I want to go back to part of the story where you were talking about your boss asking you to speak on the marketing. You're 20 years old. You've never done a public speaking event before in your life. Tell me how that went. And how did you prepare for that? It was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's exactly what I was thinking, Manal. Absolutely horrifying. So I was 20 some years old. I forget exactly how old I was. I was in my 20s and early 20s because it was after I graduated college. And, you know, he said, so here, this is a real story. So first of all, these crowd of esteemed dentists are expecting a very well-known dentist to be speaking to them. And here comes this 20 some year old girl like, yeah, I'm, I'm the one, you know, I'm the one speaking with you guys today. Well, it was raining that day. So I was so ridiculous that I didn't have an umbrella in my car. So I walked in drenched in the rain. Oh, it gets better. This gets better. Oh my. So I, I walk into this amazing study club drenched, drenched in rain and, you know, just water. And then I'm just trying to make myself look presentable. I walk in and I created this awesome presentation on my Mac computer, never realizing that in order, even till today, there are conferences and meetings I go to that do not have a connector for a Mac. I didn't even think that there would be a, such an issue where there is no connector for a Mac. So they couldn't even plug in my computer, my presentation, to the projector. And also, I had no idea that, Manal, you should always bring backup. You should have a flash drive backup. You should have a printout backup. None of that was available. And I was supposed to speak for two hours to an audience who was expecting another speaker while I was drenched, wet, came off completely unprepared because I couldn't even turn on my projector. It was my first big dental you know, speaking event. And here I am saying, I need to present for two and a half hours. What do I do? Oh my God. That, was, that was my first speaking engagement. Oh, my heart is racing just <laughs> thinking about it. No kidding. I'm not kidding you. My heart is just pounding thinking about it. I remember the feeling I had 
And with all of this going on, the feeling I had was how much that dentist who took a chance on me would be disappointed in me that I was not there. So I just, I looked at the meeting planner and I said, do you have a flip chart and some markers? And I just did a real talk and I just used flip charts and markers and I just started communicating with people. And I said, well, why don't, you know, we can do this, we do this, we do this. And interestingly enough, all the surveys came out positive. So it gave me a little boost, but MJ, when I say that it was, I mean, again, I was, I was completely unprepared. I did not real, cause see, I didn't have wisdom. I didn't have the experience to know that, well, now when I travel, I always have an umbrella. Now when I travel, I have a backup. I have my own connectors to my devices. I have multiple connectors. I have a mic. I have this. I have that. It's like I go in with a whole package of saying, I got it. What do we need? Like, I will email, email you the presentation beforehand so you have it, right? And it's already done. At that time, I didn't know any of that. So it was this idea of having to be taken seriously and be credible source by giving this glorious platform but you know what, it's because the reviews came out so positive is what really pushed me into speaking and pushed me into providing more and more content because I realized that, you know, the, if that's the worst, I already been through it. Absolutely. I mean, thinking from a speaker's standpoint, I mean, how much worse can it be, right? So yeah, you, you've got it all over with on the first fell swoop. Good for you. So what, what do you think contributed so, you know, you, the first time I met you with this was January, 2019. Immediately, I was struck by your presence. You have a significant presence about you, very approachable. There isn't anything about you that isn't genuine. And I'm going to just use the word love, loving, oh, because you. that's, you know, to me, you are the epitome of a a generous, loving person. So knowing that now and having worked with you and reflecting back on that young 20-year-old girl, how did you get from that without passing out and saying, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again? Because I'm telling you right now, somebody's thinking that I could never do that, but they can. It's just a matter of getting through it, right? I mean, you know, worst case scenario, we can all get through the bumpy parts but how did you do it? How did you manage your mindset in order to get further ahead of that horrible experience? You know, I think it comes down to, it comes down to being grown up in a certain way, right? So here's, um, here's an example. For me, being in the Indian culture, we have huge families. Like I said, my dad has nine siblings. I mean, you know, I can't even count how many first cousins and second cousins I have. Every, every event I go to with my family, I meet more and more people. But what that did was almost create this foundation for me. And I, and I talked about this in, my, in one of my articles recently, the power of with. You know, what it did was it created this foundation for me knowing that if anything were to go wrong in my life, I have this huge network of people who care about me and who will help me and who will be there, right? And I kind of took that same strength when all of this stuff happened. And I, I haven't even shared the horrible, I'll share a very funny story with us later during this interview, which is really bad story. But again, something that happened that brought me to where I am today. But it's always knowing the strength. So first, you know, having, you have to accept yourself. You have to accept the fact that 
you are imperfect. You have to accept the fact that life is going to happen, the good, the bad, the ugly. And realistically, the growth usually happens because of a unsettling experience. And that could be positive or a negative unsettling experience, but it's unsettling. It's not right. It's not the norm. It's not what you expected. It's something different. It's something new. And if you were not able to make those mistakes, you will stay who you are. Like when I even look at my work from last year, I'm shocked. And I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, and last year I'm like, this is awesome. I'm killing it. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh, oh, what was that? And then, you know, I'm changing it. So the first thing I think is to just love yourself. Because if you love yourself, then you are able to open up that road for others to love you, for others to see who you are. And, you know, I always kind of practice this authenticity where, you know, that even that time where the night where I soaked up in rain and I was 20 some year old and had no presentation ready and I had to provide and I just made a funny joke about it. And I said, I guess, you know, and I remember saying this to the crowd when I walked in and I said, well, all your millennial stereotypes have come true today. So here we are. <laughs> I am unprepared. I am wet. I am 27 years old and I'm not the person that you thought I was going to be speaking to you, but here's what I can deliver. I can tell you information that I know about my generation and what social media is and what marketing is. If you allow me two hours of your time. Right. And I just said it and I said, yes, this happened. Yes, this is what it is. I apologized and I asked for grace and I said, allow me the grace to just show you what I can do and who I am. And then you can decide right for yourself. So I think once you love yourself and you have that confidence of that, knowing that, and also knowing that you have this circle of people that will support you, you know, I think that's a huge confidence boost. And that's what I think our industry is moving towards right now. That's what you're so good at doing MJ is you have this warm personality and you are who you are and you invite that right? And you want to support others. I mean, you have supported me so many times. You want to support others. And that's the kind of leadership that our industry, if that's the future of our industry, we're in good hands. Because anyone who's thinking right now, holy crap, I could never do that. Here's the thing. One of us has already done it. Somebody in the industry has already been through it. And if you can just reach out to them and ask for their experience and find out tips and tricks on what could happen and understand that we'll support you. We love you because you're a human. We don't love you because you are a professional or this is who you're supposed to be. We love you because you're a good person. You're a good human. And if you focus on being a good human, you will always find success because you are going to exuberate that kindness and that love no matter what. Very long answer, but... Here it is. But amazing. And, and right, nailed it right on the head because absolutely it's, it's more about that authenticity, right? And you have shared that with me many times in our one-on-one our -on -one calls. You have to be your authentic self and not afraid to be afraid and just get up there and say it. And you just live that gracefully through that whole process. Now, did you take a lot of speaking preparedness courses or, or, you know, did you hire a coach along the way to help you with your speaking career? Just to provide some guidance to anybody out there that might be interested in speaking. Absolutely. I am a full believer that if there is somebody who is better at the something that I need to learn, I go to them. 
I have had multiple speaker coaches. I go to multiple, even with marketing, I am continuously learning. I'm continuously going to conferences. I'm meeting people. I'm doing webinars and courses. And, you know, like I said, a part of loving yourself is providing knowledge to yourself. And by yourself, you can only know so much. And by yourself, you can only do so much. But when you collaborate and you, when you hear others who are good at what they do, the expertise that they have, I think it really brings out the best in people. So, and we are so lucky because our industry itself has a lot of speaker coaches, right? So, and you know, I, I, and I, it's not even just about the coaches too. And I'll also take this into the implementation part about this. So, and I, I, you know, I launched, I published my first book yes. in January, right? And the book got published in January and within 24 hours, it became a number one Amazon bestseller in five countries. Now, how does that happen? That happens because I understand what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And because I know what my weaknesses are, and that's a part of self-love too, to know what you are not good at. I hire people to balance that. So my team consists of people who are very good at what they do and they are better than me at what they do. And that's why they're on my team. You know, so when I create a project or when I, when, I want to, when, I, when I want to speak or I want to do a book launch, whatever it is, I create the strategy. I hire the people. I work with the people that I want to be working with because I know they are the best or they're so good at what they're doing. Because when you align yourself with experts, and I don't mean like the crazy millennial expert term on, on social media. I mean, people who actually live the life and, you know, walk the talk kind of stuff, right? People who actually know what they're doing. They have the wisdom to know what they're doing. If you surround yourself with wisdom, there is less chances of you falling. Mm -hmm. And usually you achieve your goals because you have smart people who are, like I said, the power of wit. I am all about the power of wit. I do not believe in individualistic approaches. I do not believe that we are unique. I believe that we all have strengths. And I think that the strongest way for us to really make an impact is when we work with each other. So true. So I do that. You know, I, but yeah, I constantly uh, look for people who are better at a craft that I want to learn. And I work with them. Amazing story. So tell us a little bit about some of the advice that you might have gotten along the way that helped support you to get you where you are today. So I'm going to share a very funny story. This is a funny story. Can I, can I curse on this? Are we okay with that? I think we're fine on that. <laughs> okay. So the same dental practice. Okay. It's the one where I started. So they gave me their marketing. I remember they hired me in 2008. They provided me with, you know, fantastic practice. So this is a pediatric orthodontic practice. And I'm sure, MJ, you may be aware, there is a campaign called Candy Buyback, which is where oh, yes. kids bring the candy to the dental practice and they get money in return. So I made this beautiful newsletter, okay? It went out on a Friday evening and, and the campaign was, you bring us the candy, we send the candies to the troop, uh, you also get money in return. I sent out this beautiful campaign uh, on a Friday. Saturday, I get an email from a reply. Now, this went out to 7,000 moms okay, of this pediatric dental practice. Saturday, I get an email and the email says, there's a huge typo in your email. So I said, oh, there's a huge typo in my email. Uh -oh. And I go on and I look at it and there is a huge typo on my email. Like, it's pretty big. So I'm calling the office manager. I'm calling the office manager and I'm like, say, 
oh my God, this is just what happened, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling her, telling her, telling her. And she's, you know, calm as a cucumber on the other end. And she's like, you know what, Manal, you just started the newsletter. Maybe nobody's going to read it. No one's even going to read it. So don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. And I am literally like having anxiety attacks. I, uh, I am not happy. And she's like, we'll just talk to the docs, you know, when, they, when he comes in on Monday morning. I said, okay. So the whole weekend, I am just, I'm ready to be fired. I know I'm going to be fired. I'm ready to be fired. I have to find another job. It's a recession. How am I going to do this? What is going on? How, how could I make a mistake like this? What is wrong with me? All this stuff is going through me. And the, and the idea, the, the seed was they trusted you. They gave you a job when they were not hiring. How could you do this kind of a thing? Monday morning comes in and the doctor walks in. He parks his car in the parking lot and I'm in the parking lot shaking, waiting for him. And I said, okay, Dr. B, Dr. B, I really have to speak with you. I really have to speak with you. He's like, all right, okay, let's, let's go chat. So we go into his office. I close the door and I give him two pieces of paper. And on both the pieces of paper, there was one word highlighted. And I said, this is what was supposed to go out. And this is what went out. What was supposed to go out was, don't worry, we will ship toothbrushes along with candy to the troops. What went out was, don't worry, we will shit yeah. toothbrushes <laughs> along with candy <laughs> to the troops. Oh. This went out to 7,000 moms of a pediatric dental practice. This is a real story. This is how my marketing career started. This is a real story. And I'm just sitting here and we are getting emails and phone calls about how do I shit toothbrushes? How do I invest in this? What's going on here? This is hilarious typos. People are taking screenshots of it, putting it up, right? All of this stuff was happening and I'm ready to be fired. I have no idea how, it, how that word even came in there, but we were apparently going to shit toothbrushes. Oh my goodness. So I'm waiting across from Dr. P and Dr. P is like, okay, we are going to, we are going, you know, we have to talk. So he he's an Irish man. He turns really, really red. So I'm ready. Like I'm ready to be fired. I'm shaking. I'm like, okay, this has happened. Take responsibility. Be a big girl. It's okay. You know, kind of thing. He has tears coming down his eyes and he falls off his chair. He's like, I know I read it on Saturday. And he's crying. <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness. He's cracking up laughing. He's like, I know I saw it on Saturday. And then, and I'm just like, hold up, are you not, so am I fired? Am I not fired? What is going on? He's like, so he's like, I'm going to give you a chance to fix this. I'm going to give you a chance to fix this. He thought he was hilarious. He's like, I'm going to give you a chance to fix this. So I said, okay, all right, this is my chance to fix it. So I sent another email to the same 7,000 moms. And I said, we apologize for the typo in our last email. Sometimes our team members go above and beyond the call of duty and then <laughs> oh my well here's the thing the newsletter opening rate went up to 16 percent because of that typo and they still get emails about when our next typo is going to be there was not one complaint it was just a lot of laughter on people asking us how do they invest in shitting toothbrushes oh my gosh i think that's hysterical and now people pay me to speak in front of hundreds and talk about marketing. So clearly <laughs> there is some growth that happened there. But, oh my God. You know, 
So yeah, you know, when you ask me from that point to today, I think you just have to live it. You just have to live it. You just have to go through it. And if you want to do something, just do it. Just go for it. You know, the only person stopping you is yourself. Now, does the path seem clear to you when you were going down it? Or do you feel like, you know, over time, you just knew what step to take next? You know how, you know, I, I can look forward and I can see, okay, this is what I want to do next. And I can, I can back step and be strategic. Not everybody has the ability to do that. And so I know that, you know, some people in the audience might struggle with that a little bit. So, you know, it's good to share with them how you did it. So, you know, does the path seem obvious to you? No. Yeah. I'm a big believer on creating mini goals and then flexible major goals. So what I mean by that is so right now we are recording this in May, right? So I know that what do I need to get completed by July? So I will plan for the next three months. That's how I would work. But I also have a flexible goal of what my 2021 is going to be, what my 2022 is going to be. But I call them flexible goals because life happens, like COVID just happened, and that may just get rid of your goal. So I am more of a believer in control what you can control now. And then as you move along, you change your goals to match that growth. You know, I never thought I would write a book. Like that was not even an option for me until last year, February, when I was in a workshop and I was surrounded by 10 authors and they all asked me, why do I not have a book? And we went into a conversation and that was in February and my book was done in September and we launched it in January, right? But I never thought I would write a book, but you have to be open to have flexible long-term goals because if you are so stuck on your long-term goals and you don't allow the current environment to happen, then that's going to create conflict. You know, so I, I do have clearly, you know, you want to make goals so that that's how you grow as a business. But I'm a firm believer in having smaller goals and tangible goals that I can do right now. And that could be as simple as your day. Like I work on a schedule. So I put everything down on my schedule. And if I can finish everything that's on my schedule, I'm good. I'm happy. And then you go to the next week and the next week and the next month. But realistically, if you just complete everything you're supposed to complete in a day, then you're going to keep growing anyway. Right. Right. So create strategies, create plans, but be flexible about them. Let, let life happen. Don't stop. If last year, February, I was sitting down and saying, well, I never thought about writing a book. I don't want to write a book. I hate writing. Why am I ever going to do that? I would not be a best-selling author today and getting all this incredible exposure and you know, clients and all this speaking engagements from it because I didn't allow myself to even think that. Amazing. What helped you most, do you think, to get to where you are today? What one thing? I would say support. Yeah. We don't think about it that much, but I, I am where I am today because... I am standing on the soldiers of giants who have come before me. I can't take full credit for my, any, uh, any of my accomplishments, even though they have my name attached to it. The reason I am where I am today is because there have been incredible amount of support. And, you know, I am not shy about asking for support either. So, you know, perhaps somebody who's listening to this may, may know that I, I always share the story where, a couple of years ago, I just Facebook messaged Linda Miles. And 
I just say, hi, Linda Miles, my name is Manal Santet, and I'm a hygienist and a marketing person. I admire you, and I've gone through so many of your books and you know, cassettes, because she used to have cassettes where you listen to different stuff, and I just admire you, and I just wanted to let you know that I am here. And if you ever are available to have a chat, I would love to chat with you. And she messaged me back, and she said, let's chat. And now I have Linda Miles, somebody as a mentor that I can go to and chat with and have an experience. So again, you are your own roadblock. And support is given when it's asked, right? I mean, if I never took that opportunity to go in and call back that dental practice and show up for that lunch, maybe my life would have been very different. So while you have this accessibility to people, you have to show up for them. You have to present yourself to them. If they don't know you exist, if they don't know you are there, then they're not going to be able to help you. And that comes from you. Just simply ask for help. Just ask to meet. Just ask to network. Support, I think, is uh, really, to be honest with you, the secret to anything that I have done. Great, great, great advice. Who do you think has made the biggest impact on you? Well, I mean, personally in my life, like I mentioned, uh, my late uncle, who was a dentist, he has made a huge impact on me since I was a little girl because he used to, and I, and I shared this story in my Forbes article where he used to, you know, every afternoon we used to sit in the veranda. We had a swing in our house in India. It was a wooden swing. And every afternoon, because in India, they take fiesta. So they would take the afternoon off and everybody comes home and we lived in an extended family. And every afternoon, you know, we would sit and this was just me like four or five years old. And he would tell me stories every afternoon without fail. He would tell me stories and he would tell me happenings of the dental practice and stories about the world and of his childhood, you know, and just stories in general. And I used, that was my favorite part of the day when I got to listen to him talk. And I think when people share with you, when people openly tell you things, they, their authenticity comes out, you know, who they are comes out, right? So I think that even since I was a little girl, I have admired stories and I have admired the art of connecting with people and the stories, how much they impact you, even if they are not your stories. I'm an avid reader and I read because I want to know stories. I, I really do. So, you know, he impacted me from a long time since I was a little girl and he passed away when I was 12, but. Oh, so young, I'm sure. That's a whole other experience. But, uh, you know, it brought me to the point where I understood that power. And I think he mm -hmm. kind of left that legacy to me to share, share authentically, share openly, talk about it, you know. And I get to do that on a stage now. So how incredibly lucky am I to do that? It's you know? awesome. Can you think of a big obstacle that you've overcome that you're proudest of? That's a very good question. But the biggest one that I think that I have come across is I'll just share with you. So this just happened yesterday. This just happened yesterday. Oh. I did a, this is an example of what I mean, right? So I did a, a webinar earlier on this week and there were, I don't know, about 300 people in the webinar. And yesterday I received an email from somebody and uh, they said, Manal, I just put in my two posts on LinkedIn based on your social media webinar. Thank you so much. And by the way, I'm a 72 year old dentist. My biggest obstacle has always been how do I connect the boomers with the millennials? 
my biggest obstacle is how do I communicate and allow people to find a common ground? Because like I said, I don't believe in differentiation. I think that the world will be a lot better if we all were to find common ground, because at the end of the day, we have the same goals. Sure. You know, we all want to be happy. We all want to be successful. We all want to make sure that things are taken care of. Even looking at the COVID, no matter what you look at, if you look at politics or or COVID, or if you look at life in general or everyday things, we want the same goals. How we go about them is a little bit different and how we speak about them is a little bit different, right? And I always, you know, my obstacle has always been, how do I remove this idea of we are so different and focus on the idea of we are more alike than we are different? Unbelievable. So that's my goal. That's what I am hoping to keep continuing finding and following and talking about verbally. And that goes from everything from generations connecting to our daily lives on we can all communicate and get along if we were to focus on a common goal because we all want that at the end. I agree with you. And I think the one thing that does keep us all separated that adds to this is competing with one another. There is more than enough to go around. And I truly believe that. And I don't believe there's any room for competition. I'm in in no competition with you. You're in no competition with me. There's enough people out there that I might not be their cup of tea, you might not be their cup of tea, but you're somebody's cup of tea and so am I. And that's all that matters. It's okay that I'm not your cup of tea. And it's okay that you want the same things I want. I want to hold your hand and take you with me. Good for you. You know, we, you're right. We all want the same things. I think we want to be able to provide for our families, take care of each other and just know love. Yeah. Just, you know, be happy. Right. And, and who, who does not want to be happy, right? Like who does not want to be able to provide for their family? So I think if we are to focus on that, and like you said, it's just how do we combine? And it doesn't help that we live in a world where people's lives are constantly showing the perfect versions of who they are and what they're doing. And you know, people are not sharing that, guess what? My first speaking engagement, I was a whole mess. Or I sent an email with the word shitting toothbrushes to 7,000 moms or... You know, like we're not, we're not sharing those stories, but we need to be sharing those stories because none of us are perfect. Not if somebody comes up to you and says they're perfect, walk away, just walk away, <laughs> walk away. From- Absolutely. Absolutely. They haven't seen themselves the way God sees us, right? I mean, God sees us as perfect individuals and perfect human beings, but we're not, we're imperfect, perfect people. You know, that's just the bottom line. Yep. And we are imperfectly perfect. Exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. It's okay to share that. So if you're looking at competition and if you're getting anxiety because of competition, just know that you're your own competition. My father opened a jewelry store in St. Thomas with 199 other jewelry stores on the same street. And uh, he shared every single wall of his business with another competition and they all sold jewelry. You know, today he has multiple stores and an e-commerce business and all these things he's doing because it was never about what did the neighbor do? It's always about what can I do? What can I do and how can I be different and serve my audience? Yeah. How can I serve my audience? How can I, if we were to just focus on ourselves, we won't be, we won't have time to focus on other people, (laughs) what they're doing. So true. So true. So when I, when I think about you and I, I listen to you and I hear your stories 
it appears to me that you've been very confident since you were a very young girl. Now, that's an assumption I'm making. Is that true? I have been confident. That's, you know, that's something that I've always had in me. But again, I think it was installed at me at a very young age where, you know, even growing up in India, right, where I grew up in a very, very small town in India, almost like a village in India. And I still remember my, you know, my parents fighting for me to go to a school that had English in it and not just a regular school. But I come from a strong family who believed in education and women empowerment and from a family that kind of pushed me to do more. You know, it, so I think it came from a young age, but where the confidence still kind of withers away or is questionable is when I'm trying to, you know, the hardest moment, one of my business, business hardest moment was when I decided to launch a company in 2013 as a 20 some year old. And not only did I wanted to launch it, I wanted to launch it as a, by breaking a world record, which we did, right? We launched the company by breaking a world record. But I remember sitting around with my team of millennial women. I have a full women team, my team of millennial women, and they almost have to come to me and say, no, we are doing this. No, we are doing this. Like there are times in my life where I question things. You know, confidence is people look at somebody and say, you're confident because you are good at what you do or you talk about it so well. But like I said, we are all imperfect. And there are going to be times in our lives where our confidence is shaky and we don't know if we can do something and uh, we don't know if we are able to do something. And that's what I mean is, you know, my success comes from the power of with and the support, because even I remember that meeting even today where I was sitting there and I was trying to talk myself out of it and talk them out of it saying, this is too much of a risk. I mean, a company that broke the same world record before us did it in Times Square it's a major, huge dental corporation, international, one of the largest, probably the largest dental you know, company that it's in the world that broke this world record in Times Square, New York. And here I am, a 20-some-year-old opening a marketing company thinking I can break that world record, right? And I would always compare it and say, no, I, this is not the right thing to do. Don't do it. It's a crazy idea. Don't do it kind of thing. And here I had the team of my millennial team members who are even younger than me saying, we're doing this. We got this. We're doing this. We got this, you know, and because of them, we did, did it. And so we... what was the world record? I didn't know this part of the story. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. You're just loaded with cool stories. <laughs> well, so the world record, okay, are you ready? Cause you know, I'm a hygienist, right? So I wanted to combine hygiene, women empowerment and marketing into one. So how do we do this? Well, we chose October. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is heavily in females. Breast cancer also has links to periodontal health and hygiene. So as a hygienist, that was important to me. And I wanted to make a splash. And what a bigger way to make a splash than to gather everybody in pink talking about breast cancer and providing information on oral hygiene. So we combined our efforts with a local high school in New Jersey, which where my company was based out of at that time. And we broke the world record. Are you ready for this? We broke the world record for the most amount of people swishing mouthwash at the same time. Oh my goodness. Really? <laughs> yep. And before us, the record was broke in 
Times Square by Colgate. Colgate broke the record in Times Square for the most amount of people speech and mouthwash at the same time. And then we broke it in Old Bridge, New Jersey at the Old Bridge High School with over 1,500 people together swishing mouthwash at the same time. Everybody in pink. The mayor was in pink. The football players were in pink. Cheerleaders were in pink. We gave, you know, we made t-shirts and sweatshirts and we had handbands and we had Susan G. Komen truck there. We had the we had dentistry IQ did an article on me when I launched it by breaking a world record. But that's what got me in uh, known in the industry was who is this girl breaking a world record to launch a company, right? But again, that happened just like how my bestseller book happened because I'm surrounded by people who are good at what they do. And at the same time, they give me the confidence to say, no, you got this, Manal. You can do this. You got this. And like I said, that's why I can't take credit for any of this alone. I really can't. I have a fantastic team, fantastic mentors, colleagues, people who are always there telling me how good I am so I can actually do some good. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's amazing, Manal. I mean, you've had a pretty rockin' 10 years here, girlfriend. I mean, it's amazing the things that you've accomplished in 10 years. Good for you. Who inspires you in dentistry? Oh, I mean, Linda Miles is definitely a, a fantastic mentor. I think she, you know, she has this unique ability to make you feel like you're amazing and you're great. And that's like what I mean when I get confidence is because I would call Linda Miles and, and literally within half an hour, she will give me 10 ideas and somehow make it seem like they're all my ideas and how I'm going to achieve them all in the next week and how amazing they're going to be and how brilliant it is, right? She is definitely somebody who has lived it, who has the wisdom, and she doesn't mind sharing. Like, she just shares openly about what she has done. I, you know, Linda Miles is definitely one. But I admire you, MJ, for everything that you are doing. You know, you have, you and I connected last year because I did a, uh, I think one of us mentioned Mel Robbins. We were like, oh. yes, Mel Robbins. We love Mel Robbins. We were like, we love Mel Robbins. And, you know, we started, we started to connect. And then I saw your journey with everything you have done. And that's just, in, it's incredible to me how much people can not just achieve, because achievements are easy to come. I don't, you know, I don't, accolades are easy to come, right? What's not easy to come is the respect and the admiration that you need. And that's a lot more harder to come than an achievement. An achievement is easy, I think. But respect and administration are just one of those things where you have to be a good human. <laughs> to get In there. order to get there. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think all the females who are rocking it, not that I have anything against males. I think they're fine. It's okay. It's all good. But I'm just but they've saying, been rocking this field for a long time. Exactly. They've been rocking for a long time. And now... There is a revolution almost happening with the females coming out. Something you may not know, Manal, next year at Tufts, as you know, I'm, I'm a leader at Tufts, and we have 63% female coming in into, into our freshman class. Wow. 63%. I think it's the highest we've ever been. Wow. See, that's and amazing candidates. That's amazing. That's just mm -hmm. incredible. And it's such a great school, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. No, I'm but so I think that that's where the industry is going. I think that, you know, dentistry just suits women as a profession. And I think it's, it's amazing to see all the young 
capable women coming into to the programs across the country. It's just amazing. But I also hope that when they come in, they do show the respect to the ones before them because they are the ones who paved this path. You know, like when I hear stories like with, with your, with Hugh, with Maxine Feinberg, who is a past president of ADA, who is also a friend. And when I hear the stories and what you kind of went through to pave that road so the future can come in, uh, I think it's incredible. So I'm going to tell you a story because it just reminded me, you bringing that up reminded me of what precipitated the whole idea behind the launch of this podcast. So I had a mentor faculty member. There's several of them. There's actually three of them when I was in dental school. Esther Wilkins was one. Her classmate was Hildy Tillman. And the third person was Helen Santis, and she was in charge of our oral pathology course. Now, fourth one is Kanchanganda. She is a physician who runs our medicine course. Amazing woman. But what happened was Esther Wilkins passed away just before we were going to give her the Dean's Medal. And she turned 100, and two days later, we were going to present her medal. And I think she passed away either two days before her 100th birthday or right around there. And it was devastating for all of us. I mean, it was just devastating. She was fine one day, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately, she, she passed away. So then Dr. Tillman, who I had been, you know, helping along the way, just because, you know, some people struggle with older people. I have found that I'm one of those people. I loved working in nursing homes. I spent five years doing dental hygiene care for nursing home residents. And I love it. I love the stories. I love listening to them and all of that. Well, she spent some time telling me a lot of stories and she was a survivor of the Holocaust. And out of nowhere, she passed away at 97. And I was devastated that I didn't write down their stories because, you know, they came before us to lead the way. And when they were in school, there was maybe one in every class. In Hildy and, and Esther's class, there was, I think, seven. And there was only that many because there was nuns from another country that came because their school was closed for some reason. So amazing stories that of women that have led the way and, and led the path and kind of you know, went through a lot of very difficult times being female in a male-dominated profession, especially if you wanted to be an oral surgeon like Dr. Tillman was. And, you know, that just wasn't done back then. You know, you can't be good enough to compete with a male. In fact, I had someone on the podcast share with me that, you know, every time this one particular faculty member would walk by her, he would say to her, you know, you're taking the place of a man. So it was not pretty. And so I, I thank you for allowing me to tell that piece of the story because I do think it's important for women to, to understand that, yeah, it wasn't easy for the women that went before us, just like, you know, the women of, of the suffrage and, and getting the vote approved, you know, it, it could not have been easy, or easy for them, you know, you're supposed to stay home. I mean, I can't tell you the number of stories of, of women that are told, 
no, you want to be the hygienist. Well, no, I want to be the dentist. You know, that's part of my story. I wanted to be the dentist, but you know, in this man's mind, no, men were dentists, women were hygienists. I mean, seriously. So I think that your generation has kind of really turned the tide. I think the men in the millennial generation are extremely respectful of the women that are out there, you know, cranking it every day and can go toe to toe with them. And in fact, I really think they love the competition, not the competition against each other, but the challenge of being together and challenging each other. And I think it's an amazing thing to watch. You know, I'm so happy. It's so hard because I just recently we were at a, at a party, my husband and I, and my husband and I are the same age. We were at a, at a party and he's a physician and we were at this party, which was hosted by a senior family. And it was the first time I was meeting this family. And, uh, you know, I kind of walked in and the elder gentleman made a joke to my husband about, oh, you, go, you got yourself a trophy wife, huh? And my, my husband, who is my age, immediately was like, well, she's, she's gorgeous, but she's also smart and she makes great money and she does everything that she wants to do. And yeah, we are absolutely happy. I don't think she would be a trophy wife though. And we just continued walking and, you know, and I, and it was, I was so taken back by that comment myself. And I'm like, trophy wife, like not that there's anything wrong. I mean, maybe they're just giving you a compliment, but it has different meanings to it right it, yeah it different has different meaning but it was just so funny to just have my husband stand right there and be like ah, no you don't no and you're i think you are very right in saying that a lot of my generation because of the way we are and there is this equality that you know comes through andrew andrew would be very happy i mean his his goal in life is to become a house husband so he's just he's just waiting waiting for me to be huge I guess become become big uh, you know do whatever I want to do and like as soon as the book came I was like so when are you going to be on Oprah when are you going to be on Ellen <laughs> I'm just saying there are goals here right like okay you're you're in Forbes articles when are you going to be on the cover like he's like I I'm ready to be a house husband you know so there is an approach now of the support that perhaps wasn't there before. So that it's, it's a good, good place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So in 2017, mm-hmm. Andrew, my husband, you know, he got a job opportunity in Washington state. So he pretty, pretty much came up to me and said, I want to go on an adventure. And I said, sure, let's go on an adventure. So we packed up our house in New Jersey. You know, we were renting a, a townhouse in New Jersey. We packed it up. We donated everything we pretty much owned and like pretty much everything we owned, you know, our memorabilia, what our belongings could fit on a shelf, pretty much uh, a little shelf of our memorabilia and things like that. And we got a rental car. We put in our clothes and our electronics and we did a cross country road trip from New Jersey to Washington state, never having been to Washington state and agreed to just say, let's do this. Let's just go there. How fabulous. <laughs> and how was the drive? How long did it take you? We did. So we did stops everywhere. So we did 10 days. And uh, none of us had ever done a road trip that long before. None of us had ever been to the Washington State to even know where we And not even Washington State like Seattle. We're in Walla Walla, Washington. Like this tiny little place in, in Washington State, you know, that has all the vineyards. But no, it was just a crazy thing. We both said, yeah let's do it, you know, and we left 
in New Jersey and we our families are there and we said let's just do it but the the funny part was just uh, donating and uh, living this minimalistic approach and saying okay all right we got this and you know understanding that we didn't need 90% of the things we owned how did you ship your shoes <laughs> Because I do know that. You're not giving up your shoes, Manal. I know that. I did. I did give up a lot of my shoes. You did? Wow. I did give up a lot of my shoes. And I came to that understanding because I gave it, you know, dress for success, like charities, which are actually helping women get jobs and things like that. So I shipped a lot of my clothing and my shoes to charities. And now my protocol for, and everybody who's listening to this, I, I am a shoe addict and a shoe enthusiast. But now my protocol is if I buy a new pair, I have to donate one pair. Wow. This is how I stay in line. That if I buy a new pair, I donate one pair or get rid of it or whatever it is. But same thing with dresses and clothing. I have to ask you, the new shoes you had on the other day, were they new? They were not new. So I have worn them before. They are not new, but I just, I love that pair. I, I don't know if I'll be able to part with that pair. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Now, I, this, is, this is a question that's, that's somewhat esoteric, but I always love to ask it because I, if you get the question, you'll get the meaning behind it. Have you ever gotten to a point where you've had an aha moment that just makes you think, oh my God, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be? Yes. Awesome. Can you describe it for us? It pretty much happened when, so my, <laughs> I'm full of stories, aren't I? You, it's awesome. My husband is a Caucasian man and I was the first one in my family to marry outside of the Indian race. That's a whole nother story. But uh, my family didn't know that I was dating him for five years. In fact, the dentist told them that I'm dating him. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a journey, right? My family clearly loves him and they are very excited for him and all of that stuff. But it actually happened right after I got married. And it was one of those things where, you know, I was trying to do my companies and I was working so hard and I was doing hygiene and I was now married. And it was one of those overwhelming feeling that I didn't realize. And it was a very calm, and I remember this because it was a very calm afternoon and I was doing something on my computer. And I just remember sitting there for a moment and then I said, what else could I be doing right now? And my question was, this is it, exactly where you are right now. I don't think I wanted to be anywhere else in the world at that moment that I asked myself that question. And you know, I knew where I was supposed to be. I was, with, I was married to somebody that I truly love. I was doing things. And even though it was, you know, company was, because I got married in 2014. So I was trying to make things work with the company. It was a brand new company. There was a lot of struggle. There was a lot going on there. But I just, I, I remember that moment. And it was just an aha moment saying, you're happy. Perfect. I want to go back to that word struggle. You know, a lot of people don't realize the work that does go into a company. Having had my own business, you know, a dental practice started it from scratch. They don't realize, you know, the struggle from the very beginning. And, you know, of course you hide that because, you know, nobody really wants to know all the dirty laundry, right? I mean, and nor do you need to share it because, I mean, it's your choice, right? I mean, 
I think that you, you make choices based on what your goals and needs are, not somebody else's. And so that's your journey. But I do, I do think that so often, and I remember this has happened a million and one times, you know, patients would say, oh, I must have bought your brand new car out there. And I'm like, okay, you know, just discounting the fact that, you know, it costs money to go to dental school, it costs money to go to hygiene school, it costs money to do every single thing that we did. And yeah, we just woke up one night and, and created a successful business. You know, it doesn't work like only, that. Only it took you 10 years to get there. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned struggle because, yeah, it, you know, in the earlier years of any business, it absolutely is a struggle. And, and you have to be willing what, to do whatever it takes in order to get from point A to point B, period, end of conversation. And if that's something that you're not willing to do, you shouldn't be in business because, you know, obviously it can eat you up and spit you out in two seconds for sure. And I think it's also important to have perspective. I remember this one of those times when I, and it happens all the time. We get frustrations in our daily work all the time. Sure. You know, I'm sure a patient comes in late or, you know, somebody was complaining about something or you want, you don't feel you did the best job at, you know, whatever treatment you're providing, whatever it is, there's always going to be a, a feeling of uh, that you are not content, that there is something that happened, right? But it's always good to have perspective on stuff as well, on what you're doing and why it is that you're doing what you're doing. You can, if you're going to go in business that my, and so in my college years, and this is an advice that really changed my life. In my college years, when I was debating between going to dental school or going into business, I had a, I made an appointment with a career advisor and I, you know, shared my conundrum with the career advisor. And I said, well, I've been doing all this. I always thought I'm going to be a dentist. I have applications ready. I took my DATs, but I really, really love marketing. I really love business. What should I do? And she told me at that point, and she said, I don't know if you believe in faith, but if you think you want to do something, you're already born with the power to do so. And that kind of changed my entire outlook on things. And I said, if I really want to open a business, if I really want to go into business, then I know that I could do it. And because I knew I could do it, I did it. You know, and that's, that's what you're saying, where this is not an easy thing. This is not something, unless you are born into it, or unless you just, you know, you are, I don't know, probably somebody who has businesses in the family, or, you know, any of those stuff. Unless it's one of those things, you are going to have to work hard. And you're going to work you have to work even harder because it's your thing. Only you care about it as much as anybody in the world. Only you do. It doesn't matter. It's not even your significant other. It's nobody else. It's you and your business. And everything that you do into it, it's all based on how much do you care about that. And nobody in the world cares about it more than you do. So I remember, you know, working crazy hours. I still work crazy hours. I remember, you know, trying to do these things and it be taken seriously, but providing results. How do you, how, how are you? And I always ask, how can you be taken seriously? You provide results. That's how you're taken seriously. Like that's a simple answer to it. So provide results. How can you do that? How are you consistently growing? Right. And it's not only running the business. That's one part of it. You have to run the business. You have to be the face of the business. 
because everybody's going to associate you because that's your company. You're to be the face of the business. And then on top of that, you have to provide. So it's not only just running the business, which is, you know, working and coming up with different strategies in your goals and your systems and whatever you want to call running the business. Sure. Yeah, you could, you know, you do that. You become the face of the business. So you're continuously have to think about how can you grow? And then the last one you have to provide because I was just talking to somebody earlier today who was talking to me about how, you know, she would go online and look at all these people who, who have their life together or, on social media, but she would know that they have no clients or they are not working. So you also have to understand that the reason you have a business is so that you are making money. It's a way for you to provide. That's the bottom line at times. And that's going to help you make some tough decisions where, yeah, you know what? I I do wish that I had an office looking at the New York skyline, but I don't. (laughs) Is that important to you though? Right. And that's the thing. It's not important to me. Would it be nice to have? Yeah. What, you know, that would be wonderful. I like the fact that I can work on a beach and I can mm-hmm. still be working and that's okay with me. But you have to kind of make your own journey and you have to be able to take the responsibility. If it grows, it's on you. If it fails, it's on you because it's your business. It's not your spouse. It's not your friend. It's not your mother or your father or the investors in your company. It's you. And as long as you could do that, then you are ready to own a business. If you can do that, then take your time to get there. Is that too raw? Is that too real? I don't Absolutely know. not. I think it's, it's spot on and you're absolutely right. And you know, you said earlier that, you know, you got to be transparent and authentic. That's authentic. That's, that's business 101. Yeah, it is. It's raw. And, it's- and I did that. Like when I first opened my first company, I got an office. I got two offices, not one, but two offices. I got a whole team. I got all these people. And six months in, I'm like, why, 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 why did I do this? You know, like I jumped in too quickly and I had to go through the next six months trying to streamline my processes and my employees and what are you doing? And it's like, why am I hiring three full-time employees and have two offices when I have two clients? <laughs> what am I doing? But I did it. And guess what? It kind of sucked. <laughs> and I had to. Well, the reality hit you in the face, which, <laughs> you know, it's all part of the learning, isn't it? It is. It is. And now it's all part of the learning. My, you know, my team would be like, hey, Manal, can I sign up for this? It's $20 a month. And I'll be like, hold up. Let me look at the budget first. Let me see if we need this thing for $20 a month. If we need it, if it's useful, sure. If we not, we are not getting it. Right. So you have to create balances. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, as the marketing guru for all of us dental peeps or most of us dental peeps, is there a marketing idea that you have implemented that has been outstanding? that you want to share? I think it's going to go back to what I've been talking so far about is this. So the marketing idea that I like to trans, I I like to translate and I like to say that I am not in the marketing business. I am in the relationship business. And the reason I say that is because the kind of marketing I teach and I want to teach is always how do we connect with the people that we want to bring into our practice or to our business. And a part of that is sharing who you are. You know, the the people that have seen massive success because of how they have, like, I just had a client call me and they were looking at their numbers and they literally doubled their new patient numbers from July to 
January while they were working with me just using Facebook. And that wasn't because of, I'm not some brilliant, I'm going to change the world person. You know, I'm not that. What I am is I simply like to look at it and say, this is how we are going to share who you are. And like attracts like. And because we are going to share who you are, we are going to get people inside your door. And it's that simple as that, right? Let's start sharing you. Let's start sharing your culture, your information. Now, there are tips and tricks and strategies that come along with it. But the base of it is, can you come on like this onto your, you know, any of your marketing platforms and just talk and talk from your heart and share about, you know, share authentically and talk about why you are a dentist. So here's an example. I'm a hygienist, right? And usually when we go into our, onto websites of, uh, you know, dental practices, we get a bio of the team, the, the doctor, the hygienist. So let's just say hygienist because I'm a hygienist. Usually the bio will say, hey, Manal Sampet, you know, she went to Rutgers University. Uh, she has a hygiene degree from X, Y, and Z. She has been practicing for this many years and she likes long walks on the beach, right? And spends time cooking with her family. That's what my bio would be. What if we were to switch that bio and make it authentic? So it would be something like this. Hi, my name is Manal Sampat. I was born in India and I grew up in the US Virgin Islands. Since then I went to Rutgers University and I studied biology. One of my favorite things to do is laugh. I have one of those really loud laughs that you can hear like all the way down from the you know, other room. But when I'm looking at my photos uh, as a child growing up in India, I'm not laughing loud. I'm hardly smiling at any of those photos. You see, I had black marks on my teeth and I was ashamed of laughing and smiling. The reason I'm a pediatric dental hygienist today is because I don't want any child to ever feel like they can't laugh loud. They can't smile big. I want to make sure that they have a very happy childhood that they can show off. I look forward to meeting you and your family. Amazing. Total difference. Total difference. Right. And that's the power of authenticity that people, when I talk authenticity, I'm not, and I'm going to curse again, I'm not bullshitting. Um, I'm not, you know, coming up with, hey, here's a fake, let's all do this. No, I'm just saying, just talk from your heart. Let's be authentic because at some point along the way, we forgot that we are humans who are trying to attract humans. And humans have a past, a present, a future, goals. They have conflicts, you know, they have their own issues. And if I am a mom that has children and I'm looking for a pediatric practice and I wanna bring my child to somebody, are they gonna bring a child to somebody who went to school and has all these accolades? Or are they going to bring a child to somebody who has lived it, has experienced it, and truly cares, right? So share that. And this is, that's the switch that happens that I have seen to be the most successful when it comes to marketing is that mindset shift that comes and says, oh, okay, I need to change this. I, I see where I need to change my messaging from what it was to what it is. And I have done this many times where I would, and I used this story when I was, you know, seeing pediatric patients and I would have mom request me before they even come to the practice, when they make their appointment, they're like, can we see Manal Sampat as our, our hygienist? Because again, that's what they connected with. You like, connected. Yeah, it certainly does. All right. What is your favorite way to relieve stress? Binge watching television. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Give me, a, give me one of those 
shittiest reality TV shows. And uh, that's how I'm going. That's just what I'm going to do. I usually watch like cooking shows, you know, that, that tend to relax me, the competition. Cooking shows usually get me on or like a really good series that's on. It's usually binge watching TV because then I can escape and I can be in their world. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Manal, I have to call it a day. This has been an absolutely amazing hour and a half spent with you. I couldn't thank you enough for your time and just your stories have been amazing. Thank you for inspiring me and inspiring the audience. And I can't wait to see you the next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.